Food for Golf is a show dedicated to exploring the stories and characters that are contributing to the greater golf community. All right, welcome back today, folks. Uh, spring has, has arrived. It's finally sprung, and for some of us, the golf season has begun. Uh, today, I am joined by Dan Mann, better known as at uh, the Dansom on Instagram, and newly joined TikTok. So Dan is uh, quite the character. Um, I thoroughly enjoy uh, his content and everything that he has brought to, uh, I guess, the golf community as a as a whole. Anyhow, uh, Dan is actually a talented photographer who is uh, well versed in uh, golf and everything that has to do with the sport. Also, Dan is a lover of expensive watches. Anyhow, so Dan and I uh, uh, discussed, uh, we recapped the 2023 Masters with uh, John Rom's big win. Uh, additionally, we, we, um, we add our, our, I guess, our opinions, our insight into how we feel about what's going on with Rory McIlroy. Also, we dive into the fourth event that is going to be featured on the Live Golf uh, tour or live golf league that's going to take place in in Adelaide, Australia. So uh, Dan and I we uh, have a little powwow and discuss our thoughts on live and uh, where uh, men's professional golf is going. Additionally, Dan shares some of the some of that sweet stuff that the Dansom's all about and what's going on for the Dansom and crew in 2023 so i'm excited to bring this to you guys today uh sit back whatever you're doing maybe you're driving maybe you're at home and just uh kick your feet up and enjoy this discussion with uh dan man the dansom coming right to you now all right so how you doing my friend i am well how about you good good just uh i got stew set up here a little bit Brighten myself up a little, you know, it's uh, sun, sun shining around 5.36 uh, p.m. here on a Monday. So, yeah, we're, we're good. I can't believe how bright lately it's been and even how light it was teeing off at 7 a.m. yesterday. It was fantastic. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, uh, how's everything going? How's your, uh, how's, uh, how's golf season going for you? It's wet. We we have not had many sunny golf weekends. I'll tell you that much. It's been uh, it. We played fourteen holes with spitting rain yesterday, and then it just started pouring, so we weren't sticking around. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I saw that your um your recap from the weekend. Your yeah. post about uh, you uh you got through fourteen holes. However, you didn't get too far. After we that. um we even went to the like. We canceled the tea time at another course yesterday and said, we'll just meet up at the range at 7 a.m. And when everybody cancels their tea times, if there's a break in the weather, we'll go. So we showed up at 7 a.m. and nobody was there and it wasn't raining. So we just grabbed carts and went, played the front nine in just over an hour and, you know, got three holes in, four holes in on the back. And that was it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, how was your front nine? A uh, couple over, um, which is good because I literally opened the year like 91-90. I was standing over the golf ball. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no clue. Golf was foreign to me at the beginning of the year. And, oh, really? uh, yeah, I I was scared. Like, I thought it was just going to be this horrible year. I stood over the ball I not knowing what I was doing. And uh, 
Yesterday looked like a guy who should be breaking 75 every time, so it's good. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, so how, how many weeks are you into your uh, your golf season so far? Uh, golf season proper. Because you've been um... – I think we started beginning of March, but really I've only played – Played about four times, I think it is. Yeah. All right. Um, four or five four, times. Five, four yeah. or five rounds, beginning in March. So we're at you know midway through April. Okay, so six weeks in. All I right. just haven't had the week. Typically, I play every weekend by now, but it's been wet. It's yeah. been really wet. I tell you, it is sunny Monday to Friday here and 15 degrees and it literally is a downpour starting Saturday morning. So it's, oh, it's been rough trying to get out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting is the, like where I'm at right now, out in Western Canada and Sask, uh, it's, there's no sign of golf season yet. It just started melting recently. Yep. So like the ground, like you're now seeing dead grass, but not green grass. Obviously right now in Ontario, uh, Southern Ontario golf season has kicked off as of last weekend. Uh, a lot of courses opened up around April 13th, April 14th. They uh, they capitalized on some of that Masters money, you know what I'm trying to say, in uh, mm-hmm. Easter, Easter weekend or Easter long weekend. So, yeah. So, speaking of the Masters, so how was uh, – what are your thoughts? We've had, we've had some couple of good golf weekends. Well, the, the Masters itself and this past weekend with uh, – the heritage, uh, RBC heritage, but uh, let's talk about the Masters. Uh, I predicted that I thought that Brooks would win. Uh, that was my that he was my guy, uh, but uh, he didn't have the best round. But a lot of other players didn't have the a, a good round in the fourth round. Uh, they had after, those Sunday games. And- after watching Live the week before and his confidence and hearing all the sound bites of. He hasn't been able to hit the ball like this in four years or whatever it's been. Um, I had him picked as my uh, as my guy for the Masters. Hundred um, percent. Okay, so we're good. Yeah, we we were yeah. on the same page. Okay. Um, yeah, we were doing it. But we all assumed that the 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 main horses would be up there too, and a lot of them just disappeared. I mean, Scheffler made a weekend appearance. He made it look better, but you know he wasn't the front runners. Everybody picked the Rory's and them. Um, I actually Rory missing the cut was I think the best thing for him because as he's become he needs to sit back and realize that he's becoming the mouthpiece for the PGA Tour and not focusing on his own game right yeah yeah I think that uh, I, I definitely I I would I um I would agree with that statement. Um, I think that a lot of the stuff and people can see that I haven't, I haven't pulled my punches. I've said it straight. I've been talking about this since last year and calling him out on his bullshit. Right. I mean, some of you guys are Rory fans by all means, but like you can, you got to be able to separate the game from the man. Right. I mean, I respect him. I think he's a great player. Like I saw him play and win the 2019 RBC I know here in Canada, people have an affinity for it just because he's won the past two. But let's not get this twisted. Um, let's talk about like facts and just looking at statements of said person and how they've gone about what they've said, and even now more so 
what sort of position they're in in order to profit off of uh, their stance. But uh, I would say for him, a lot of, I think a lot of what he was saying initially was ill-informed, right? I mean, I think that he took a, a lot of it personally because he looked at it and well, let's just be honest, he won that FedEx Cup because you take away 36 players from their especially top 10%, which is a few of those top 10% finished in the top five of said Masters. Mm-hmm. You, you, you pretty much just, you know, you bulldozed your way to, to, to winning a FedEx Cup. Then on top of that, too, your, your words in a said, uh, you know, documentary uh, called Full Swing, which we all saw on the last episode, and you said some words about Phil Mickelson, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Phil, Phil didn't do any talking; he let his sticks talk, and his sticks. What's, yeah, what's really happening? You know, um, obviously the PGA Tour approached him and said, "You're our big star, but we need you to be our our spokesman, so to speak." And look at look at all the guys who aren't the spokesmen for the PGA tour who actually focus on their golf game. They don't have all this other stuff going on in their head. Mm-hmm. They all made remarkable. They all were up there Sunday, the Jordans, all those guys, they just, they're focusing on their game. And John Ram is the biggest example. He's the hottest thing. He's the guy, honestly, he's the guy on the PGA tour. He doesn't get involved with any of this. hundred percent. Dude has been, uh, a fact machine from the get-go, yep. right? He said he said it from neutral. He's he's like no, just just level head, right? Looking at it like logic. He is the number one player in the world. Like I love I love John. I think John Rahm is a legitimate golfer. Yep. Like, like his his wins. He's won like he's won like now five or six times since like November, right? Um those two other wins he might have had on the VP tool again, again with the North American or the, the North American gaze of golf, like they didn't kind of put that as um, relevant or as relevant as they should be. Right. And like mm-hmm. the guy, guys, like this whole toss between Rom, Rory and Scotty Scheffler, who's, who's the best. Like I would say it's Rom and Scheffler's playing good. Like he's like, you know, Scheffler's a legitimate player. Like, like Scheffler arrived uh, on the scene or Morris on the scene when he beat, went head to head with John Rahm at the 2021 Ryder Cup, right? So let's let's get real. So he's he's actually legit. Right? Rahm's, Rahm's that elite player right now. That there's mm-hmm. that there's these certain horses that can push him. That's who the Schefflers <laughs> and all those guys are right now. But right now he's the guy <laughs> running lead, right? Yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and like his like he put on a clinic in regards to ball striking at the Masters. It was just fucking phenomenal. Like, I mean it, it, think about when he went back out there on Saturday and what he was able to do after four putting on Thursday to open his open his uh open his masters, right? I mean like look the goal's gotten everyone. Like a number of years ago it, it got Ernie Els like back, right? Like Ernie, I think, and Ernie went out of there. I think he took a ten or he took an eight. No, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. But what I was worried about coming out of this was 
that the storylines would be, you know, oh, Liv is the choke to her, just like their their CEO, you know. Um, Kepka did the same thing as Norma, but I think people realized, I, one, I think people like Kepka and they like him as an elite golfer. Yeah. Um, but just, you know what? Some people just can't play their four best rounds all the time, four days in a row, and it happens, right? Um, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Some days it's, yeah. it's, it's, like golf, golf's fucking hard, man. Yep. Right. You know, I mean, it's like if you look at the the like I took a look at the the final scores of some of the, a lot of the great players, and there weren't a lot of dudes that were that shot under, right, under par. There was a lot of there was a lot of pluses, right. I mean, let's not get it twisted, right. I mean, and also too, it probably didn't help waiting for like you know like Patrick Cantlay. For like, him. You know, it's not an excuse, but now when you see the replays of Cantlay, like knowing a guy like Brooks, um, yeah. I I know he mentioned it, but he's not going to blame it on his overall, like, you know, not finalizing, but that's got to be hard on you. That's 100%. really got to be hard on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for a guy who, like, you know what, he just, like him and him, him and uh, Ricky Elliott, they're like, hey, they get their yardage, what he wants. He's like, hey, Ricky, what's yeah. the number? And he's just feel it, even with Rom. Him and Rom, like they had a good banter between like the four of them, their two caddies. Yep. Just letting to ride. You know what? It is what it is. Like you saw, I posted a uh, a video over there of like Victor Hovland was playing with him. That Victor Hovland was chipping on the a green at that what thirteen there, and Patrick's still walking up with his caddy. So that goes yep. to say something. But Victor never said anything. He was never asked for comment. But you know what? I mean. Yeah, like I think that I knew that a couple of years ago when they were talking about slow play and Bryson was uh, getting a lot of uh, heat about that. Um, no one brought up Patrick Cantley, right? So he was kind of a ghost about that. Mm -hmm. in, I in think. If you, um, I mean, Brooks seems like such an easygoing, nonchalant guy on the course, but it it sounds like you know historically that's probably the one thing that burns him deep down he just wants to play a quick efficient round of golf and uh not overthink and wait yeah i'm sure it got to him. yeah yeah a bit, you know but and he's like but again he's like uh like one of those elite athletes and he just he's gonna just say hey you know what yeah. I, I didn't have and he did say after like i just didn't have it today right and yeah. even john yeah. rom said he's like hey you know it would have been nice if brooks was uh Brooks was on his game to like kind of come down the stretch. And he was like, "Hey, you know what? He he was very consummate, like complimentary of uh, of uh, Brooks' game just in general, you know." But but again, those of us or those people or those of us who who are fairly neutral in this, who actually just love golf and maybe um, aren't necessarily influenced by uh, the traditional golf media, or some of us who are part of the I call it the the new media of golf. Right, mm -hmm. you know who actually sport, follow it. They not only play, uh, we um, we we dive into the sport in regards to purchasing. Like a lot of elements are within it. Uh, additionally, you know what we educate and we we talk about the sport to said followers or the greater golf community. Right, so I mean, we don't have an agenda. Right, yeah. our agenda is just yeah. the only agenda we have is just to share the game. Right, to other, with others. This the Masters weekend was fantastic for golf. Um, um, man, I really hope this Australia thing pulls huge crowds. I want, 
I'd love to see the whole point of it, you know, um, brought to light that it was supposed to be an international series and that, you know, bringing the North American pro game more often and more accessible to the other countries. Um, and, you know, Australia's got a big um, professional turnout on the PGA Tour, you know, and that was the point, you know, originally you'll get them down there. So it would be really nice if this was the tournament where the big crowds came out to, you know, just support Norman and show that uh, this is where it needs to be, right? Absolutely. I, I and, and I agree with you. Like countries yeah. that have been underserved uh, in regards to high-level uh, professional men's professional golf. So yeah. look no further. Our back, our our backyard, right? Yeah. Our country, Canada. Yeah. This we we live in a golf craziness. Sure, it's for the most part, except for places like you. Um, that it's cold about six to six to let's see mm-hmm. six feet to six months a year it's cold but let's not get it twisted like we're 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 a golf we're a market that just like Australia that is right for the taking in regards to showcasing high level man's golf not once a year multiple times a year mm-hmm and we're not talking about the cool, awesome for, like, you know, the Champions Tour. Great, you know, like love seeing Mike Weir and people love Freddie Couple. Sure, awesome. But let's, like, we're talking about like high level, like legitimate, like golf. Yeah. Where we, yeah. right? Well, Australia. Like a friend of mine, she's from Adelaide. Um, she was in Toronto. She actually's down there right now visiting her family. Um, I was asking her, like, you know, hey, if you're there, like, like, you know, tell me, like, you know, tell me the buzz. What's going on in the city? Like, how is it humming? Right. And it's awesome to see that, that, that they're going to, they're going to play in Adelaide. And I think this, the, the event is, they've already said it's sold out and so forth there. But it, I think this is going to be, like, I'm, look, I'm, I'm excited about it. And the one thing I can't stand in regards to, you can see the chatter online saying, like, well, you know, it's going to be on the CW and they're doing delay. Like, there's this thing called an app. <laughs> it's being broadcast the application. Let's just not just being broadcast on CW, it's being broadcast through a application which is theirs and we all have mobile devices. They you can see how they broadcast their broadcast fits on multiple platforms, not just on a TV. It they're broadcasting their so it can yeah, be streamed. That's the thing, right? Yeah, you're you're cutting out. Okay. Oh, can you hear me though? Now I can hear you. Yeah, the CW thing, people are just grasping at straws on that one. Um, they're on they're on TV. That's what matters. They, you can turn on your TV, and in my channel guide on Shaw, it's on yeah. like four different channels because there's like three CWs, right? And then game, yeah, exactly here in Canada. So you got game TV. Um, I have it on uh, right now. We have it on uh, KLA, you know, so LA channel game. So game TV, uh, CHCH out of Hamilton. It's not hard to find in other countries, right? And a bunch of different WGN because they 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 are licensed the CW, right? They're they're programming. I mean, it's not hard to find. Right. So the fact of the matter is they're on cable TV. So like big deal. They're on it. 
right? <laughs> but US, US cable TV, right? Yeah. Again, sure, right? Uh, US cable TV, great. That's what they wanted. Mm -hmm. but it's, their international audience is probably far greater. And I know that I've read some stories about their metrics weren't that great. But the metrics, if you look at it initially, maybe the first couple of tournaments, we're pulling the same metrics on TV that would pull for the MLS, MLS soccer. And MLS yeah. soccer has been around for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. This league proper has only been around for just over a year. It's coming up to a year. Yeah. I mean, people are just going to harp on the, well, these are the big names that you lured away from the other two, or why aren't, why aren't you getting the same viewership? But um I just there's been so much hate spread that why you know to to turn people away from it you know they're not even giving it a chance right that is correct yeah they're 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 not they're just kind of looking at it and i think that if if you have like the mudslinging and i i think that persons such as you know like say brandel chambly uh the golf the, the golf channel is is nating is not a neutral it's it's essentially a pga propaganda tool right anything yeah. that is uh, hard that is based in America. It's not independent, and that's and that's the saddest thing, right? And I I think that some of the, even the, some of the golf uh, publications, um, they haven't been as neutral as they could be, and just just give people fit some facts, all right? I mean, if we're gonna talk about we talk about I guess talk about Saudi blood money, or we talk about the the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. I got, like I dabbled in tech, so I, I understand what mm -hmm. their their the investment fund, um, what they've invested in, and I think a lot of people, if you really kind of talk about it, well, people consume probably one of the biggest things that they've invested in, which is Uber. Uber, they they invested yep. in Uber through SoftBank. SoftBank is a company out of Japan, out of Tokyo, Japan. Right. They, you know, like they're they're into multiple different things that I think they've invested into, like Starbucks with Howard Schultz's company a long time ago, like EA Sports. So. And a lot of these and there's other companies that do business with said PGA Tour. So we're talking about a hypothetical or just hypocritical stuff. Right. I mean, so when people I don't think that. If people really looked at it uh, and a lot of these publications would talk about this kind of stuff. And again, America, you realize that America does a significant amount of business with said Saudi Arabia, right? And yeah, I was reading an article that named all the companies you said the other day that have um, Saudi interests, like Starbucks and all of them, right? There's, it's a, there's a real list of them, right? So, 100%. 100%. And, and I think that I don't know if a lot of people, and I, maybe this is like, look, um, I love business, you know, it's up in school, whatever it is. Um, you understand economics. <laughs> uh, they're talking about, oh, these guys have spent maybe close to a billion dollars. The quote, the the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, I, I read as like a, about $600 billion, right? I mean, $600 billion, so $2 billion is nothing, right? Yeah. And, and, I don't think that people are kind of looking at the the overall, they're just seeing dollar figures and I get it and that sort of matter, but creating an infrastructure, right? This league is, they're creating a league of golfers, 
right? But it's going to be, if you look at Formula One, right? It's a global race circuit, right? So if you have a bunch of untapped markets in regards to golf or potentially mm -hmm. emerging markets, such as Canada, such as Australia, Japan's a huge market. Mm -hmm. And we're talking, these are G7 countries, right? G7, G20 countries. Um, South Africa, India. I know they're trying to do some stuff in, you know, Canada. You mean just the Asian market, you know, like the, the whole entire Asian region is yeah. an untapped resource when, in regards to opportunity. And there are other, it's crazy. There's a lot of other global companies that would sponsor said events if they wanted to. Like there's like, this whole stranglehold of golf being like that America's had this stranglehold on golf, but it's, it's time. Like again, even on world economics, uh, there are, I'm not sure a lot of people have talked or all economists have seen that there's a shift in regards to said countries that are looking to create, to trade in their own currency. Uh, this agreement mm -hmm. called BRIC, right? You know, so it's between Brazil, South Africa, India, Russia, mm -hmm. right? Um, these are all larger countries, right? They're, cause there's a, this, this whole global, um, struggle or power struggle that it's been and like look like look i've lived down in america great and some people who follow me are american but like we you gotta understand there's other like we live in a global economy right and well i really think what it comes down to at the end of the day is um the pga tour want to be the only name associated with big name professional golf um and really that's I mean, without saying it, they've made it apparent. I really think that's what this comes down to is if if it's going to be associated with the prime premium product professional golf, it should have only the PGA Tour branding on it. And they only and they want to be the only show in town. Um, yes. I'm sure when these other countries came out and tours, Japanese, et cetera, and said that they would be willing to let uh, live players come play on their tours for world ranking points. I guarantee you they got phone calls from the PGA Tour that said, well, if you want such and such coming over and playing in said event anymore, you're going to shut that down. I honestly, I, it just, to me, it looks bad on them. They just, they want to run the show. They've obviously copied every idea that's come up with these secondary tours since the 90s, right? So yes. it's just, they want control of it. They want financial control of it. And they're just mad now that they had to, come up with more money for these elevated events. So can we talk well, about the elevated events and Rory skipping it? But you know <laughs> Yeah. We'll yeah. talk about we'll talk about that. Okay. So we're gonna all right. All right. So we're gonna go in that next segment. Uh let's see. Uh we have nine nine minutes to get into this this part. Then we'll yeah. come back yeah. into the other one. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Rory 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 skipping his second event on said Elevated events. All right, so we skipped the century initially at the start of the year, and then this one, right? And this is what he wanted. Um, yeah, it's my thoughts on that. It's hard to be the PGA Tour mouthpiece and play every week. <laughs> well, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, okay, and like I think a lot of people, like, look, again, Liv's schedule has been like a little bit lighter, and they, 
and that's one thing if you actually talked if you heard some of the players talk about their schedule that they they know that they're, they're going to adapt it a little bit better next year and i think that what they'll probably do is play in the southern hemisphere places like australia through a few of those times it makes sense but to I think that they had enough of a balance. Some of the guys and some guys played on the Asian tour a little bit earlier in the year to come into playing into the masters and look, it did work out. Right. You know, but I think a lot of the other players that came in, even Jordan Spee talked about it after he was done, that he was kind of tired. Right. And he grinded it out at, um, at the RBC heritage uh, this past weekend. And he grinded out into a playoff, but he was like, he's burnt out. I hope the guy takes off at least two weeks. Right, uh, those guys fine, but come on, Rory, Rory has spent so much time wound up in the other thing and not focusing on golf, and now he's got the excuse of you know my driver sucks, but Taylor made won't let me change it, yada yada yada, um, and he got the weekend off. You couldn't show up to the Heritage after getting the weekend off and the next couple of days rest when John Ram did it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, he he got he missed yeah. the cut. He had an extra two he days. The weekend off. Him and JT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you could have you could have said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to show up at the Heritage until instead of to prep for that. I'm not going to. I'm not going. I'm going to roll up in there on a Wednesday, right? You know, and say, hey, you know what? Go through my shit and after do it, right? Instead of going through the whole the you know song and dance of the same like. Back to back, having two back to back um, elevated events is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's but, just... but really, he, he should have been there regardless. And hundred percent, you know, Rom saying why he was there, I honestly think was kind of a shot. Mm-hmm. Correct, it really came across that way. I've got kids and fans and corporate expectations. I'm going to be there. Absolutely. Rory's embarrassed and butthurt that he uh, missed the cut at the Masters. He's been focusing on all the other stuff. And uh, I just think when it's those events and people expecting you to be there, you show up. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You don't hear the live guys, you know, the live guys schedule, but you don't, none of them are sitting down in the live tent at the media day saying, Oh, the PGA Tour this, the PGA Tour that, we stand for... They're not. They're just talking about their own tour and then getting back out and playing golf. But Absolutely. he's choosing to be the spokesman, and he, he answers all these questions and goes to all these meetings, and then he has to harp about all the meetings that he went to to save the tour. Oh, fuck me. Even though if you get, get the... Oh, you get, you get uh, a couple of those guys, you know, the panel on, um, on a Golf Channel about, oh, you know, Rory's been... You know, focusing on like, don't give them. There's no fucking, right? He's you know, like, on all this other stuff. So don't. You're an independent yeah. golf contractor who, yes, the tour is something you want to have like an ownership in, like your your player members. I yeah. want to represent and speak for my tour, but you don't have to do it seven days a week and not focus yeah. on your own livelihood. Yeah, right. Your well, livelihood is to play golf make money off it. It's not made to make money representing the tour. And really, these guys don't care about money at this point. You should be focusing on winning championships like Tiger was, you know, back in his day. He, he, my focus is to win the trophies. The money comes with it. It's a bonus, right? Yeah, right. exactly. John Ram knows this. John, John Ram knows this. 
And he showed up to the Heritage and he stuck around for the last hour and a half and was color commentator. And he was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, again, insightful. Just like Phil's insightful when he goes up in the booth there. But again, let's not get this twisted. And I've said this before, people like, you know, let's get this, get this real. You realize that professional golf or just golf in general, but on a professional stance, it's always been about the four majors. Yeah. And money. Yeah. And earning money. That's what it's been about. The four major tournaments, list them off. Yep. Well, I guess you would say before the PGA Championship, before it's kind of switched off there, U.S. Open and the Open. Yep. Those are the four. Those are the four tournaments. Now, winning other tournaments or just enrolling other and there, and there's like sure there's um larger tournaments or like the like legacy tournaments that are out there, but it's always been about winning money, right? But yep. the four Super Bowls of golf have been the biggest thing, but. Tiger Woods and and Stan Snead, yes, they had 82 wins, right? And that's awesome. Like, I don't think anyone's going to eclipse or get to that level. And I think a lot of these guys, and I think Rory was talking about, like, we're, I'm not, we're not Tiger Woods. That's the reality, right? Which is fine. But there's no reason that you don't have to chase 82 wins. I mean, I think that Tiger chased those 82. Like, that was him chasing because he's like, I'm just going to fucking dominate. That's what he was chasing. He was chasing domination, right? It wasn't, and by him chasing domination, was he was winning. That was it, right? So it's, mm -hmm. but he was earning money, but it's always been about earning money. Yep. And winning the, at least a couple of the, the four, the four major tournaments. Like that's yeah. what it's been about. And I think that, through this American gaze, like, because if you look at where golf was birthed out of, uh, out of Scotland, right? I mean, and like it's always been about, it's always been a uh, like a dog in the kind of pony show, right? Where you come up mm -hmm. and like it's what it is. I mean, like professional golf, like school amateur golf was huge in the country clubs, and you know all those guys that are amateurs who play at the Masters, and the guys who were professionals were seen as less than because they had to play golf in order to earn money, right? That's what it was because they were from working class, right? Well, hopefully they don't forget about that too. You know, there's there's the other 75 guys on the money list who aren't in the top 75 who uh, who matter. And the way they're elevating these events, they're, they're sort of, it makes, you know, oh, we, the way they're, turning it into now they only care about their top 30 it feels like these are the important guys we're gonna have the big events uh and then what's gonna happen to the dp world tour you know they were gonna look after them and all this like yeah you know, it really sounds like they only care about their big names now yeah we'll get into that like the the dp tour and uh yeah. the opportunity that they had and they decided i guess there was an arbitrary um decision that they conveniently released during the masters you know, first day, Thursday, you know, I guess, and uh, I guess one of our fellow Canadians, Keith Pelle, running that bad boy, and doesn't seem like he's running that bad boy. Yeah, he's kind of running that bad boy into the ground. Yep. Kind of, kind of fucking embarrassing being a Canadian. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's embarrassing. You know, it's the, 
the amount of mist, like, look, I like, again, I watch other tours, watch Asian tour, follow the DP, been following a little bit of Sunshine tour a little bit here. It's, it's interesting stuff, but yeah, let's, um, we'll get more into that. Okay. So, uh, we're going to end this segment. We'll get it the next. All right. So, all right. So, uh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Talk about, uh, okay. You turned me on to, uh, school with uh, uh, the universal golf rankings, right? I mean, so we had the special world golf rankings, then also too, like I've been posting about the SI, uh, so the Sports Illustrated golf rankings, but uh, yeah. the guys at universal golf rankings and them on Instagram, I'll link this up for telling you guys, uh, I told them, so it's like T-H-U-G-R, so the universal yeah. golf rankings, all these guys, look at their website. It's plain, man, it's legit. I like it. It's it's probably the best ranking. It's probably the best ranking system out there if you want to rank everybody equally, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you cross reference that with like the the OW the official World Golf rankings, I mean, I hear people like on watching these telecasts about golf and they're quoting that. Come on, stop it. Stop. If they don't man up after this Masters finish, eh, like the World Golf Rankings, like after that Masters finish, how can you not say, oh, I think we should be ranking professionals equally no matter where they are across around the world, right? Like they're obvious. How do you not just rank somebody who's a professional at somebody just because they're not a part of a tour that you're obviously associated with? Right. That is correct. Yeah, because they're thinking about the tour might go under of some sort. So they're well, let's wait yeah. and see what awesome or what can we we're kind of using our leverage to dictate what we want, you know, yeah. out of them. So I mean, yeah. Anyway, so you guys like looking at um, take a look at like don't like let, let's be let's let's be like let's think critically, man. Let's some, some constructive criticism here, guys. You know, let's. Let's be real. <laughs> like watch, watch your stuff. You know, I mean, be informed. Don't just sit there and be like a. What do you want to call it? Uh, like you just, you just want to sit there and just be a, a speed bump, right? Yep. Be, be actually yep. real and say, hey, you know what? Like, what, what's happening? You love golf. Call spade a spade. <laughs> yep. All right, Dan. So let's get back in it. So how am I? I guess. Tell the people I know, but uh, when did you get your start in golf? When did you start playing the sport? The uh, the year was 1981. Oh. <laughs> My folks had a summer place south of the border here in Birch Bay. And uh, my brother and I were in the hillside behind their place uh, catching garter snakes. And we found a little white ball, you know, eight years old. And my father said, that's a golf ball. And that day we said, we need to try this thing. And uh, joined the, that's how we joined the junior program at eight years old. So that's how it all started, because I found a little white ball, literally. Yeah. And now I'm continually searching for my little white ball. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, usually I see it's on, on the fairway, right? You know, that's a little white ball. All right. So yeah. that's, that's what that's yeah. with the sport. So like. When you started playing, like, uh, did you end up, uh, you know, did you, did you play, uh, you would say, rec recreationally, or what, what kind of what happened? When we started, uh, it was an addiction. When I say we, um, my brother is four years older, and we had 
two cousins who would summer with us as well, our, our families um, who are right in between my brother and mine's age. So between eight to 13 years old here. And we all joined the junior club at the same time. And that got competitive between us. But when you join the junior program, it comes with tournaments. So we were competitive immediately. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, and getting results. We, we all, it all came naturally. So yeah, I was, uh, I was into it right away. Eight, nine, you know, already bringing home those little trophies, you know, it's it yeah. golf came naturally. Yeah. 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 You, you, I, I, you're a fucking unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> and then I lost yeah. it. Discovered I was only so good up until a point. Yeah. <laughs> you think that maybe what it was that it was almost like you were just playing with house money, right? You just didn't, you didn't get it. You were just playing freely, like mind wise. It was just free, free flowing. You And you just were like, Hey, you know, I'm just going to send it. Right. When, when I started playing, you didn't really have the junior development you see now with parents getting their kids in and they're getting the full on. It was just a whole bunch of kids going to a junior camp and then playing some competitive golf. And if you had a little more natural talent than the next kid, you were you probably winning more. But by the time you get to a certain age, if you aren't regularly taking those lessons and conditioning your game, um, the natural ability, you know, there's a roll off. And then, you know, people start to go above you. It's the same with, you know, you play your local scratch who's played mini tours and you're like, wow, that guy's incredible. But you realize why he's not on the big tour because every level of golf has its next step. Right. So, yeah, um, I was good to a point, but not good enough. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't apply myself into practice. Right. Yeah. I think that's goes with any any sport in general, right? Like there's another level you want to get to within that sport. The I call it like amplification. You need to amplify that talent. There's not a lot of people that are naturally talented at said sports. If you look at great players, and when I now talk about just golf, uh, if you want to go into golf, like just natural talent, like John Daly, natural talent. You know, like he's yeah. one of those guys. I would have talked about that Tiger Woods obviously a golf phenom right for him um clearly jack lickus was you know sam sneed was right you know this greg norman was a great athlete that got into golf right you know if you look at even other sports let's talk about uh natural talent you don't go farther than hockey we're staying there gretzky right david oh yeah want to talk about in vancouver talk about athletes like what am i all-time favorite hockey players. Well, my favorite hockey player of all time is Pavel Bure, right? We're talking about naturally. You look at basketball, going as far as like Michael Jordan, right? LeBron James, yep. Abdul Jabbar. You want to go into like other sports like Lionel Messi, David Beckham, right? Talent, naturally talented, right? Yep. And uh, I mean, when you talk in golf, Daly's got probably, and you talk to his peers, he's probably the most naturally talented player we've seen in the last 40 years, right? But, you know, obviously his life took some effect on, you know, how much he won, et cetera, right? Absolutely. In regards to, like, we're talking about um, childhood trauma, right? And 
yep. the elements of like dealing with like anxiety and you mean obviously that he his vices were booze and gambling to deal with because you had addiction issues right you know like i think without would, the booze he might not have been as good a golfer right you know, he, correct, needed, right? he needed that to take the edge off, you know, unless he was the type of person who realized there's counseling and medications and things like that. I mean, the alcohol, if he could have tamed it, he probably would have won more because if he could have controlled himself, I mean, he's the type of guy who needs it to ease, take off the edge. But if he could have just kept himself from going overboard, although you mentioned the word Tiger Woods, you've probably seen the reel going around of daily on the podcast saying, I went to the casino with somebody and we were drinking, drinking and Tiger went to practice and Tiger came back. He said, well, you're going to join us in the casino again. And then, no, I got to go rest. And then Daly said he was three bottles of Jack in and went out and shot 65 the next day and beat Tiger by seven. Yeah. You've been telling that story for, for many times and you've seen it in multiple yep. different sequences because it's actually real. Because yep. even for him, like it would, the story was, Hey, like, Tiger's walking by, and then all of a sudden Tiger's like, okay, you know, come drink with us. You know, I'm going over the gym. Like, you know, after he already hit balls, like, come drink with us. Yeah. And Tiger's like, if I had your your talent, I could do that, but I don't, right? And you're yeah. and, right. But also, if you look at it, um, so I guess Tiger was like, Tiger Woods is, a, is an adrenaline junkie, right? Like, we can kind of, you can kind of understand um his other things that he likes to do. I mean, and mm -hmm. what he had, right? I mean, and a lot of these oh, yeah. elite athletes, again, they are, they thrive on that adrenaline. And again, if we go talk about the wins with Tiger Woods, the adrenaline to win and to be, to be the best, but to, that's, that's a, that's a thing. That's an addiction thing. I, that, uh, that car accident is still a touchy subject because that robbed us of, <laughs> of the next um, version of Tiger Woods. He was back. Oh. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that definitely. Yeah, that robbed everyone, right? Yeah. So that Masters was going to be so good. <laughs> it was right. You know, defending champion coming back to his. Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, it was. It was. It was. It was going good. All right. So I was going to say to you. So you're. Uh, all right. You're. Uh, you played the sport at a competitive level on the West Coast a little bit. You know, so West Coast golf. All right. Let's uh, hear a little bit of. The stories about West Coast golf, like what's your guys' price point? What's going on with that? What's uh, what's happening locally? I think price point, you know, public, you can definitely get some good sixty dollar rounds in. Okay. Yeah, um, of course, there's the the more premium courses, which are our Morgan Creeks or Northview that hosted the ACC Championship. I mean, okay. you're getting into hundred, hundred and ten, hundred and twenty dollar rounds. Um, you know, you I guess you think of them as semi-private, those ones. They do have a, a membership, but With public. Um, you could still find the value 55 to $65 rounds out here on phenomenal <laughs> courses. Really? Yeah, because, again, you guys live – you live in optimal growing conditions, right? Yeah. Right, you know, so yeah. it's like you guys you guys get enough um, moisture from, you know, sure, you guys get a little bit of snow, but for the most part, it's usually raining a lot during the winter time right so you're right away you're right there so it's like so a lot of courses they they can probably lower their their maintenance fees are probably a little bit lower in regards to pumping in water right and yeah that. our water's low drainage on these courses most of these courses have been updated over the years so it's fantastic um 
uh, and the values there, a lot of them are city owned, so they know where the price point is and they can uh, supplement. Um, but like Riverway, which is down the street here that we play at mostly, that's owned by city of Burnaby. And to my understanding, when they when they developed that land, it was a peat bog before and they sold a lot of the uh, resources that were there to help fund the course build anyways. Right. So interesting. So I haven't been like I used to live in Van City well over 20 years ago for a little bit there. I haven't been back to Van City coming up here to 10 years. Um, You know, great place. Love to come visit. Definitely will come see you one time Uh, in in this lifetime, (laughs) not the next, hopefully not. But yeah, how many municipal courses does, I guess, in that, if we look at uh, Metro Vancouver, we look at Burnaby, right? We look at um, Richmond, uh, and I guess we'll go into, like, I guess, uh, Delta, and where else? We want so to go as far. We'll go that far out, and uh, let's call it two to four a city, Um what did we just mention about seven or eight? So there's there's a variety, there's a selection, you know. Okay. Uh, it's I mean, we've got a wealth of really good golf out here, public. Um, okay. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, Vancouver City has the three city-owned courses, and they are a fifty-five to seventy-five dollar round, incredible value. Um, all of them had been rebuilt in the late nineties, um, you know, brought up to date. I mean, we're talking hundred year plus golf courses, you know, the layouts put back. Um, but each city has either it's, it's old school course. Like we still have UBC out at the university in Vancouver. I was going to ask you about the UBC course. Yes. Yeah. Fabulous course. Always kept in great shape. Um, and it's the original design layout. Uh, but we still get new stuff getting built out here, right, as well. So it's uh, been a phenomenal balance. You know, courses pop up all the time, and, uh, you know, it sort of, you know, feeds the habit. But, I mean, since COVID, it's still impossible to get, to get a tea time. I mean, they're just booked. Yeah. Okay, yeah, like uh, that's what I was going to say. So you you guys are impacted by, uh, by the volume of um, of this resurgence in golf. Okay. Definitely. Kind of- when, when COVID kicked in and everybody realized that golf is the one thing they could do outside, um, mm-hmm. I mean, bookings became insane, but a lot of even the city courses added the advanced booking fee, right? Like the five bucks ahead. And now people are just doing that weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. So on a whim, if you want to go get a tee time, it's it's definitely harder here now. Okay, it's interesting that looking at that part, um, I think, which was the one of the, I mean, there's a lot of good things that came, came out of the, the pandemic or COVID. I would yeah. say courses um, stepping into the 21st century and using booking systems, digital yeah. booking systems, as opposed to people fucking calling the course, you know, taking advantage of paying, paying a little bit of money to like uh, a said software company that has developed that software for booking is crazy. We think we have these things called phones that we use on a regular basis, right? You know, and instead of, you know, there were some people that were paying into like golf now again, part of the whole, uh, you know, NBC family. Uh, they, they had that corner until like companies like Tion came around. And I don't know what booking system do you guys use out in that area? What's, what's the most popular one? 
I know in Ontario. I don't use any of those. Um, I don't use any of those golf now or anything booking systems. You know, all this courses now. I mean, there's obviously a couple different software suites available that they're all using very, very similar things, right? Um, but it's funny, the city of Burnaby, I, you know, they they weren't ready yet. They're, they had a very antiquated system and phone system was still their major, you know, at noon every day. You had to call in three days in advance or two days in advance and, you know, uh, the the phone lines would go off, would turn off at 11.55 and anticipating it. But they were not ready, you know, okay. and uh, their online booking system kicked in at like midnight. So you had to stay up too. It wasn't even a respectable uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you're a junkie yeah. when I would do it. I don't yep. care. 100%. You know, I, I'm all about midnight, midnight bookings. If I really want to play, fuck yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. I'm, I'm that now guy. Uh, now they're all 6 a.m. So it's a little more manageable. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of funny. We kind of look at this, and I think a lot of us, all of us, have older parents, and some of us who might have older parents who do play the sport. I don't, but um, many people do who are listening. I I think that I don't know how. I wonder how it's affected other seniors. Like I've played with one of my friends. Uh, he used to be one of my clients. He's a senior. He'd always say like, "Oh, you know, oh, I'll I'll call tomorrow and make a tea time." I'm like Jim, use your phone. <laughs> <laughs> You can't just call know. tomorrow and make a tea time anymore. But you can still um, do that. But it's easier. So, like, I mean, I wonder if there's been a little bit of obviously a learning curve or them being pushed out a little bit. I mean, because they're the ones who are occupying a lot of the courses during the daytime, right? I mean, you know, I still see people out there. Um, and I'm sure every group has one guy who understands it or gets it. So, I, I mean, I can't. I can't truly speak to it. I don't know what numbers, but I don't see a lack of uh, regulars at these golf courses, right? Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's, good. that's good to see, right? I mean, I think that the one thing about golf, which is great, and I think a lot of us love playing it, is it's a very intergenerational game. Right? And yeah. And that's, and, that's, and, that, and that's a positive thing to see, right? I think that even us eventually over time, we're going to be in that senior category or hopefully fucking enjoy life until we get there. I, right? just, I just qualified for the champions tour this year. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, you're getting I can yeah, play I mean, on the champions tour now. Yeah. Yeah. Dan has turned. He has crossed the half century mark at five zero. You're as old as Cobra clubs, man. They should have sent you. Cobra has been around for years. You and Cobra. Yeah, Cobra Golf. Yeah, I need that driver. Yeah. <laughs> that beautiful black and gold driver. Yeah. And they, they've been pushing that on there. I'm like, you know, I got an, I got an email about that. I was like, yesterday looking at it, like, that's, that's pretty hot. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's, it looks good. That's a good looking driver. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that's just a rendering. They didn't actually, yeah, it looks, yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't mind if one of those fell and hit me in the arm somewhere. <laughs> or... <laughs> I, uh, I found my new gamer in the last few weeks, so I wouldn't need it anyways. I'm quite yeah. content with the driver setup now. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that. We'll get into the what's in the bag here yeah. in a little bit. Okay, so one thing about if people don't follow Dan, at the dance I'm here, like, Dan, you tell intriguing stories, and you have a talent, you're a talented photographer, right? You've 
blended your Thank love you. of golf and photography together quite nicely and uh luxury watches i i it's it, it works so like where did you uh tell the people i know the answer but tell the people how this all came about like this mesh of, um, of the quality because watches have always been a part of golf like rolex oh you know what i'm yeah. like every single time you watch a major you know like you have rolex you know the timepieces you see those it's so they've been intersected together right you just took so, it to the next level been on Instagram, what, about 10 years, and then the photography thing just grew. You know, you start learning, getting better, getting better equipment. So uh, it turned out photography was something I had a, you know, natural talent for, an eye for, you know, editing, developing. Um, so the golf side was there. I'd worked with my golf spy for, you know, eight to 10 years at that time. So uh, my foot in the industry was already there and working with brands. Um so at the beginning of COVID, you know, sitting at home with not much to do, I kind of got into a new watch habit, which isn't the cheapest habit, but it's something you can collect from home. Um, so I fell in love with watches, which I've always loved. I just really wasn't collecting many. Um, and I had a personal Instagram account that I was just going to post all the watch photos there, but it only meant made sense with golf as a lifestyle crossover and working with clothing brands and fashion to just do it all in one account and see how it plays out with my current uh, audience. And that doubled the audience right there because, you know, golf and watches and fashion go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It do. Yes. Yeah. And like, yeah. like we, you know, like there's been a lot of good new, uh, new drip has come into the sport. Like a lot of, you know, like, uh, yeah, like golf is seen as resurgent, but it's also got a lot more flavor, um, and perspective on uh, on the swag. The swag, the, the swag alert is legitimate, very and real. And for those those watching this who don't realize it, um, I mean, Instagram has a community for everything, but you don't realize how big the watch community is, and really how watch photographers are that's where my photography took even the next step is following like the product style watch photographers and just studying that style of photography that took the game to an even another level of you know shooting golf you know mm. uh, and shooting product and photography and uh working with golf brands yeah the watch thing really played into that interesting yeah that's that, that was the seed eh so like a, so yeah. something that really it's interesting that um you you decided to learn a new skill through the pandemic right that's kind of gave you the time to kind of reflect and like look I I I have a love of photography we have a lot of we have some things and a lot of things in common I have a love of photography so I get this so that's why I appreciate your presentation style and what you do right you know so like, you as a person like not saying anyone who's not a photographer I don't appreciate them but you know. <laughs> Tell man, you gotta. Uh, yeah, I'm getting hours for your talent. <laughs> okay, so with that, okay, with your with your presentation skills and uh, your um, just who you are and your personality and your I guess your lust for life, uh, you've been you've been a brand ambassador to a few different uh, golf brands. Uh, you know, well, like, uh, I haven't been an ambassador for a few different brands. Um, I, 
a sharer. When you're with my golf spy, you get the ham, you get the brand agnostic thing hammered into your head. So you walk away with that. And I realized, yes, you want to be, you want to be an open, safe place for everybody to come to. So, you know, signing up as an ambassador for brand A, you know, kills the ability to feature, you know, brand B, right? And I wanted to be this safe place for, you know, small mom and pop companies to come to and get their story told honestly and authentically, you know, have an authenticity behind it. But now that you bring up an ambassadorship, um, I made a friend who happened to be the Canadian CEO of a golf brand. And when your friend represents a quality golf brand, it's, um, it's a no brainer to jump on board and become an ambassador and feature his brand. Right. Yes. Correct. You yeah, have, and, you have really left me here, by the way. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. It's coming back. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. But no, uh, but um, for all you don't know, Jim, Jim Rogers, and he has a partner, Gino in Toronto, uh, essentially, you know, got the franchise rights to Canada for sub 70 golf. I guess that's how you look at it. They're, they're the independent Canadian representatives. And I met Jim beginning of the pandemic. He had just started up and I just wanted to get some product in hand to photograph. And the beauty of it all was he never pushed me to play the product or be in the brand. I sat back and had a chance to experience it. So I kind of fell in love with the product and the person and, you know, the company. And it was easy this year to say, fine, I'll be your ambassador. I'll take on the brand and, uh, you know, well, I'll represent you in the bag and, you know, help with photography and stuff. And uh, it's legitimate quality golf product. And you can, you know that you've played it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so a lot of people who do follow me, they can see that I've played the, I played the clubs. Right. And, you know, uh, um, you've tagged me and stuff and like, look, I mean, but I'm not, I am not an ambassador for said a sub 70 or, um, or my paid. I think people can kind of see that. I think a lot of people who might've been following me didn't, maybe not even before you probably didn't hear about sub 70 until you started posting it. Um, I can only attest to playing a product and seeing the quality in the product. All right. Then also looking at price points and understanding the market. When I say that the market, we're we're talking about we're talking about the the just the the concept of um, equipment companies push products every year, coming up with new shit, and people are saying, hey, you know what? Um, let's buy all like you know something new. We're coming up with this new driver. We're coming up with these such and such new irons, right? Let's not get it twisted. Um, those the the quality of the sub seventy clubs is they're it's not second to anything, right? I mean, and having talked to the owners of Sub Seventy, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, one, it's not just budgetary, but unless you're going to have a true product improvement, they're not going to have two-year release cycles like the other brands that are heavily marketing run and just need a slightly tweaked product to sell to, uh, you know, market the brand, right? Yeah, like Taylor made. I'm looking at you, right? I mean, yeah. come on. Right, <laughs> like I get there was it. an annual driver released every October with them for what up until about you know five years ago when they realized they couldn't sustain that you know heavily, right? Yeah, yeah. correct. I mean, 
And I think that I think that's also again the there's still some power in us being consumers as people, right? I mean, again, like you don't have to be like a, it's like, like a leading, leading a horse to drink, right? I mean, or to eat hay. Like you don't have to eat hay. Like look at your own game first and like by all means, yes, you know, like you might need a, uh, some upgrading clause, but just like, just because you've been like a tailor-made person for a long period of time, by all, but look at some other fucking brands, man. You know, like, and, just, like these brands don't own shit. Talking drivers. Yeah. They don't make, they don't make shacks. Remember this. Like, like other companies yeah. make shacks, right? It's, they just make, <laughs> yeah. they make heads, not shacks. Right? I mean, look at, yeah. come on. But so, too, it's like, hey, you know, like, oh, my favorite golfer, on Ron played. Like, well, first off, that was a great switch for him for going from, from going from Taylor Maine to Callaway, he just started like he went to another level of play. So I mean, if we look at right, I mean, <laughs> Titleist has been very they've been legitimate, you know, like really releasing product when they when they be paying to right sub seventy with those irons wedges yeah. very underestimated i think now that it's the the they the direct consumer market has drastically changed where pxg was charging up the up the ass and they realized that I they weren't that. yeah they were they you know right i mean you work for golf like my golf spy right you saw yeah. they they've changed they've changed their tune because if you're not looking at the direct-to-consumer brands now, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. Now, given there are people who are brand snobs and self-admittedly, and I, I know people like that, and they're going to stick to tried and true. Like, you know, right. Titleist is golf. They're they're traditional and they're they're good at what they do, right? But if not looking at the direct-to-consumer and the value in it too, I mean, drivers are up to eight nine hundred now. I mean. Let's go example. So when I was saying I think I found my new driver, I mean, I had a I had a fitting bought a Titleist driver two years ago. Yeah, that's going to be hard to get knocked out of the bag because it's a properly fitted driver. But if I was to buy a new driver now, I mean, two three hundred of that you're paying for marketing and their tour stables. So you look at something, and we're talking dollars. Sub seventy driver, which I will play this year, but it had to pass a lot of tests. It had to match up to my fitted list. It's uh, so it's a two hundred ninety-five dollar driver, and I got to test a bunch of shafts. And yeah. I'm in the Pro Model Nine degree, and uh, I'm in I'm in their ninety dollar upgrade Pro Force VRS. You know the the good old Pro Force um, V2 shaft. I've lost zero distance. I'm hitting probably my one of my straightest drivers to date. My miss hits are absolutely minimal, and there's a three hundred dollar price difference. That hey, that's right. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, and, and again, it's like, yeah, like drop technology, right? I, I think that if you're gonna go up, if you're gonna pay, like, look, even like I guess Taylor made they had uh, their obviously the Sim Two was pretty fairly. 
they had something there, right? I mean, oh yeah, right. You see where you know they had something. I, I think the the ping uh, uh, G uh, four five four, wherever it is, it, that's supposed to be legitimate. I got a couple friends who have that, and yeah, they're yeah, it's legit, right? But um, but yeah. when you're talking dollar for dollar, you've honestly you got to consider everything and don't assume that um the top price is getting you the top product right that's correct like and so there's a couple of guys out on uh on uh online especially if anyone follows like you got to follow like brandon at uh, new nine golf uh he has his driver bracket every year yep. um he's checking out of calgary right the although that um uh, and kind of testing out at altitude a little bit, but you follow his YouTube channel. Uh, he breaks down um, said drivers and compares them to, like, I think he does a really clean job about it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you got to, you, you want to match, if you can match, go to that harmony place between price point and, and performance. Kind of like start looking at that. Like, you know, don't get, don't let your eyes get fucking big. Uh, because, and I think that another thing, and I was talking about this this week, remember people, all manufacturers, their drivers, so like, so, okay, let's go back to this, said tour, the, the standard, the, the max length is 46 inches, okay, so all um, companies, they sell their driver shafts 46 inches, or underneath that, about 45.75 uh, like inches, right? That's so when you go to the golf town and you're hitting a 45 inch, nearly 46 inch driver, and you're seeing distance on that, and you're like, Oh man, this is the best fucking thing I ever had. Um, remember, that's that ain't maybe spec to you. You might have that one, you're just like, Oh, I'm just driving along. But when you take it out on the course, you really test numbers. Is it fucking accurate though? You probably need to lose an inch, right. Mm -hmm. No, there's not a lot of people that are walking around that are that are NBA height players looking to play with a 46 inch driver, right? I mean, that's yeah, a lot good. of people could a lot of people out there could probably benefit from a slightly shorter driver just based on control. My my last fitting, I ended up going down just a half inch, but that was sort of the sweet spot for finding the center of the face every time, right? There you go. So you're half inch. So you probably went from. So yeah, you went down a half of an inch. So I so, went down from 45 and a half, which is kind of the stock driver these days, to 45, right? Yeah. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Right? You know, that's, but, that's, that's money. But buying drivers, I mean, like I say, there's a huge chunk of those dollars that's marketing dollars. Let's face it. Um, the stealth is the sim, too, in red and black, just with a few yeah, things changed, right? They just needed yeah. a new marketing tool for the next year. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That, that's actually, what it comes down to, right? You know, like how many, how much money we pay in Rory? You know, the only person who's really like, the only person who's dominating, and I guess in some of that, into some of that Taylor made stuff is is Scotty Scheffler, right? Right now, yeah. It's pretty yeah. Good. Like, I mean, he's like he really cleaned up that, um, like he really cleaned it up, uh, Taylor made for their oopsie when Rory was like, oh shit, you know, like. Uh, the driver's not fitting me well. Well, Scotty ended up winning that week. He busted one, and they and they, and they threw out that video of him guessing his yardage. That was slick. 
All right. Okay, so uh, this is our uh, second segment. So far, so good. We got one more segment to go, right? Okay. okay all right. So, all right. All right. Okay, Dan. So uh, I know about this. But, uh, we need to we need to show the people. There's a little special event coming up here. Uh, a little thing we call the Fan Man Cup. You know, the, the Fan Man Cup. The Fan Man Cup. If anyone hasn't heard about the Fan Man Cup, uh, this little prestigious tournament put on by yours truly, uh, the Dansom. Uh, something that he's organized with, uh, I guess, a few different local golfers with him or some friends uh, or friends of the Dansom. But uh, I want you to tell people to share the story about how the Fan Man Cup started and where it's going and we got the we got the Fan Man Cup going to the the next level coming up here. The uh the Fan Man Cup is uh my my social social media um baby right now, you know, that's become that thing. Actually, you can edit out the part right here. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is great. Since we're yeah. uh, reigning, since we're reigning champions and talking about it, I'll just I'll do my interview, uh, my podcast. I'll do my podcast with you right here. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll just sit here and talk all about it. Um, three years ago, I got invited on an eight-man trip to the new Sagebrush Course up in Merritt, and we sort of turned that into a mini Ryder Cup style four v four three-day event. Um, over three rounds. And uh, the following year, last year, we uh, visited Golf Kamloops and turned that into 20-man Ryder Cup style over four rounds. We go, and uh, we're going back this year to Whistler, British Columbia at yeah, Nicholas definitely. North, two rounds at Big Sky and uh, um, Whistler Golf Club for a 24-man best ball, best ball, scramble, Sunday singles for the uh, for the Fan Man Cup. Yep. This, this is awesome. And if you guys don't think about this way, like, look, I mean, the one thing that golf brings people together, but there's nothing wrong with a little bit of competition amongst friends and foes, but also looking at it like experiences. Like, this sport has always been about experiences, but this one, the, this Fan Man Cup, it, it it's it's a it's a thing man it it has it has a vibe and it's very um like I, i'm in the whatsapp group all right so full disclosure i've read all you have you have the invite you just can't make it <laughs> you know what yours truly is thinking about doing something else with the fan man cup and uh maybe uh being part of like documenting it because i i as you guys Man. can see, I, I love telling, I love sharing other people's stories and hearing other people's stories, and I think that is something, uh, especially in the Canadian landscape of these, we we have such a rich history of golf, and some of our stories have not been told or 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 available, and I think that that's something that, um, I would love to contribute to, but contribute to the community. To, you should and come out and, and document it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and when I say it's my social media beauty, um, baby, I love storytelling, and I realized that 
documenting these trips because I enjoy watching other people's trips. It's because um, it's to give people who don't have the idea yet or the inspiration or not knowing that they can have these trips with their friends uh, to show them how easily it can be done and, you know, inspire them to go do it themselves, right? Go on their own trips and have their own competitions. You know, it, it can be done. It can be arranged. It can be booked. It's out there for you. I, and I, that's why I love telling the story. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, again, it's like, I think that, um, if one thing has come out of the pandemic, I think that we've realized that experiences and being around, being around people and having great conversations and time, I think like that's something that is really genuine. I think that a lot of people are seeing value in experiences, but like valuing yeah. people, right? And coming back together as a community in person, right? And taking time and disconnecting from, I guess, the digital world we live in, but just to really be around and be nothing like being on the golf course and being aware, right, of your surroundings and beauty. And look, Whistler, Whistler is one of the, like, a lot of people know about like, globally. We know Whistler, it's in our own backyard as like a, as a country, Canada, but globally, like it's well known for it being like a, a skiing destination. And, uh, it's a ski, and it's, ski destination, eh? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also beautiful during the summertime. There's a lot going on. Right. You know, so like I love it. It's um, awesome. It's a fabulous golf destination. I mean, there's, uh, Three high-level courses in the in the town of Whistler, and then uh, Big Sky Pemberton, which is what twenty minutes just outside of it, and they have a very well-known course there at Big Sky. Um, mm -hmm. So, when you look at the different towns and cities in BC that are great golf destinations, like Golf Kamloops, for instance, um, you know Whistler's definitely up there with the Chateau, the original Palmer course, and then the Nicholas course, right? Nicholas, of course, hosted a uh, Canadian Skins with Norman and Nicholas and a bunch of guys. Yeah. Yeah, that is correct. That would have been yep. early nineties, I'm thinking so. Ninety-one, ninety-two, ninety-three ish. What do you think? Definitely goes back. I'm not even sure when it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. You know what I mean? I love that. I'm looking forward to. Um, I guess if I, I'm not there, but but either way. But just seeing, just hearing, you know, scores and, you know, just the, the outcomes. But I think that, it, I think this one's going to be every single year. The, uh, the fan man cup is, it, it ain't leveling off, man. <laughs> this, right? It's, um, it gives me something to look forward to every year now. This is the big event. Yeah. 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 Actually, let's talk about that. So when is it, when's it going down? You guys move it up a little bit, a couple, couple. Going up, it's going in June this year. It worked around all the schedules of everybody to get 24 people in. Um, and with that said, you know, for people planning trips, if you want to try and plan a trip with 24 people like this, you're booking in February, January. You're you're starting the legwork, talking to the destinations and the courses. Um, look for accommodations. Yeah. yeah. And so if yeah. you're going to come up and document, let us know because we've got to get you on the accommodations list. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, 
I'll, I'll find my other if, uh, if other I'm sleeping in a car or you know or sleeping in a tent, <laughs> you know, because it might have to be a shoestring budget to do this. But you know what? It'd be, it, you know, it, it might be a last minute, but it, it might be something that I, I think it'd be it'd be a cool story to tell, right? Yep. And um, I just it's just I don't know. I'm just you know I'm a good I'm a I'm a lover of stories, and I think that as 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 those of us who are part of the, I guess the 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 Canadian or the you know, the community, I think that we could do a lot better. And I think maybe if I can start here would be like even this podcast is part of that, telling your story of yep. who you are, and uh, collectively us. There's so many rich stories that are available, and persons who are or lovers of the sport, but also educating the the I guess the golf community. Yep. And I think that we can tell a lot more stories as, as Canadian content creators. Right. And I think that that's one thing about, if we look at the Canadian landscape and I think that that's one thing that we haven't done a little bit better. Um, like we don't have look in America, they have their legacy media that's tapped into like, groups like good, good. And, you know, like uh, Barstool's mm-hmm. guys that play right um country club adjacent right the par train and so forth there those have kind of gotten together and the other groups are out there but i think that you know collectively us as a canadian media or canadian golf um new the the media of golf that we could be a little bit better and that's why i started this podcast was to share these stories and to talk about other not not pump my own shit you know it's like i don't pump my own shit if you guys obviously follow me or anything else i pump a lot of other people's shit and I make fun of myself. Yeah. Real. yeah. It's um Canada is a smaller golf market in the perception of like social media when you compare it next to our neighbor, right? You mm-hmm. know, the way the brands and so yeah, I've been talking to a few of the brands I've I worked with over the last few years, the goat tracks, the pioneers, the sub seventies, and there needs to be, I think, having more of a collective um attitude in Canada will help spread the word for many of these these brands and companies so yeah associating them with you know with the trip and doing things like that really helps you know show a a, a broader community right absolutely yeah you and, and there you go and that, you hit the nail on the head right there there are so many great canadian brands that are out as well um even carried contributors and we'll hear these stories from other people that you know people I talk to but yeah you're right I think that we can you know if we can correctly work together and continuously do this and we have something we have something special I think that sharing it is the biggest thing yeah and I want to use the trip to also show off the golf communities we have because once again I mean we know all the U.S. destinations we know what's going on we're we feel I feel more tapped into the U.S. market through Social media than the Canadians. Yeah. So really yeah. want to start focusing on ours, right? Yeah, correct. And I think again, and this goes back to our earlier conversation about the said PGA Tour and the reason as to why keeping a lot of the money is because of the all those old those old tracks, right? But that's also keeping the hands and, the, and those those are country clubs. You know, a lot of them are they're are in public. You know, there's a couple of U.S. Opens are public tracks. Let's not get it twisted. 
right? So I get it twisted. Like we, you know, I guess I get it. Dolph's destination like Pinehurst, right? I get it. Stream, I get it. Peel Island, get it. All right, you know, like Pebble. Yes, Pebble Beach. We all know the story about Pebble, right? You know, Tory Pines, get it. Um, friend of mine, you know, Liverpool Steve just played at TPC Scottsdale. You know, just this past weekend, or just yeah, just past a couple of days uh, with for a bachelor party. Great, oh, but you know, like, you got uh, TPC Sawgrass. Those TPC courses are owned by the PJ Tour, right? So how much they're charging, but we have a lot of great golf up here. Like a lot of the courses that you've mentioned, we have our courses out in Cabot, and we're not just we're not just St. George's and these clubs that have been located in the Toronto area. We're more than that, right? And like I say, when you you know you want to go to a hot, dry place. You want to go play desert golf. There's Arizona. There's there's Nevada. You want to play desert golf. But what people don't realize is that um, Kamloops, Kelowna, British Columbia, Osoyoos, it's actually the same desert that goes down through North America. Um, That's correct. We have, we, have, uh, we have Kamloops. We have, you know, the sagebrushes. But we also have you know, the coastal golf we have the parkland golf we have seaside golf um yes. victoria golf club is the pebble beach of canada hanging out we have um we have our own version of um bandon in yep. Nova Scotia, um habit uh yep. we we have these golf destinations and let's use kamloops for instance as an example um they have wineries. They have all the same things that you would find on a trip, you know, in California. Um, so for Canadians who don't realize this, you have all this in your own backyard, right? Yeah, and correct. And for people who want to leave the States and go find a new destination that isn't the same old Californias and, and Arizonas, we have all of that, right? I'm up here. I'll spend that American yeah. cash out here up in this economy, right? Even looking at even a, a problem such as so small, as PEI and and their push when they talk about PEI destinations of golf, like PEI is pretty tiny, so getting around PEI is pretty fairly easy with their four hundred. They hosted the big break, and they hosted the they, big break on the golf channel. Yeah, that is correct, right? I mean, and chances are, with that being like a tourist destination place, you know, throughout the summer, their courses are probably reasonably priced. All right. And for all you Americans watching the podcast right now, yeah, we can get you a $450 three-day golf package at 30% on your own dollar. So that's about yeah. that's about three bucks for you plus your points. Exactly, exactly right. You know, bring so come your, on up to Bring your that. powerful dollar up here. <laughs> we'll we'll save you money on your vacation. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then there you go, right? All right, so we're gonna yeah. go back to this one thing here that it's it's kind of like a uh, I just discovered this a couple of days ago that you and I we have a uh, we have a thing in common we we like container homes. Container oh, God, design I fell homes. in love with container homes. Yeah. yeah so uh, I guess I'm disclosing here when I was uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to become an architect. All right, so that's something I, I used to love building things uh, out of sticks, paper, and designing like structures so that's something that i've always had an affinity for but i 
you know, I've really got to the, the, the container home. I follow different, um, uh, with my personal account, I follow different container home designers. I think it's a really, the concept of it is pretty cool. In Toronto, uh, none of us who've ever been to Toronto, they have this place called Staff Market. It's essentially a kind of like a strip mall put up, designed with all container homes. Sleek, mm -hmm. it's cool. I think it's, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I love it. I, I think it's definitely if you have anyone who's an environmentalist looking at using re reusable um, items. I don't know. I just, I think it's just, it has, I like clean lines. You're a photographer, right? You know, you kind of yeah, get it. That's what I love about them. And uh, I'd love a little three stack container home, but not stacked sort of like offset. I want one of those ones on just a yes. little pond and a plot of land. 130 yards for a practice part three. I've visualized all this. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, dude, like, yeah, me and you are like, we're, we're, but you have ESP, man. You know, like, that, yeah. that's something that I've always kind of envisioned that I could imagine doing something of that nature. And, um, like, I know even, for example, like me, uh, I'm first generation Canadian. My, my parents were born in Jamaica. Uh, my mother, uh, her family has owned land for a number of years. Uh, there's some land that's, that I think it's shared or she owns that hasn't been developed on. And I was like, you know yeah. what, huh? I think that's something that uh, I think down the road, that is something I might look at from a Canadian own perspective. Yeah. Um, looking at it from, you know, in, in, on the Island, I think, but going back into just living here in Canada, it's, I'm very interested in it. Like, I love it. I think it's a great idea. I mean, some people might not be for it. It's cool. You know, you do you. But I'm doing me. And I <laughs> if I'm going to retire one day, I don't need 3,000 square feet. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And I think getting a little bit closer to nature, you know, something solid. But yeah, yeah. I, I can see it. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Um, is there a lot of container homes out there in uh, Vancouver? Have you, I've seen some. No, I, I don't see any. I mean, everything here is condo right, right now. So okay. it's, uh, I just, you know, they, I've seen them before. I've seen them at home shows. And now uh, my phone must have been listening to me talk about it because it's every second post in my Instagram feed. So um, I fell in love with these things. A nice black container home with mid-century inside. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I need. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Okay, so another thing is, there too, a lot of people might not even know this or they don't follow you, but those who do follow you. Um, again, you have a talent for giving away things, very talented at it. And every year at the end of the year, around probably around November, uh, there's a little thing that happens called the 12 days of dancing. Oh, right? the, 12 the 12 days of dancing. dancing which yeah. I look forward to, it's almost like, uh, the 12 days of dancing is like having rum and eggnog. Or like watching a nutcracker <laughs> at Christmas or, uh, or a classic, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? I mean, um, and like Home Alone, you know, we're talking the 12 Days of Dansom. So when did that start? The 12 Days of Dansom started as about five days three years ago. Um, and uh, has it only been two years? Two years ago. Yeah, this was year, this was only year two. Um, and then spreading it out amongst those five brands to about 12 days, because, you know, 12 Days of Christmas and Dansom, flow together but it all started with 
the brands that I work with throughout the year and then realizing my followers put up with me, you know, throwing all these brands in their faces. It was a, an idea to give back to everybody at the end of the year for, you know, following and, and, uh, and uh, putting up with me basically. So working with the brands to, you know, showcase them at the end of the year and be able to give back to everybody and, you know, show them, you know, the products that uh, I talk about all the time. That's where it came from. And the first year, like I said, I had five companies and I stretch, I was stretching it out. But as, as the giveaways went on, other companies were messaging me wondering, I think the first year turned into 16 days. <laughs> so last year we had a solid 12 companies and uh, 12 giveaways from watches to golf products to uh, a set of irons. We did a set of irons and a watch last year. Um, but it's, I want to give a, if, if everybody's going to follow me and, you know, interact all year, they're my audience. I want to be able to give back to them at the end of the year. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Can you like, can you tell the people about some of the companies that you're currently working with? We've spoken about Sub 70, right? Sub 70, uh, um, Pioneer Golf out of Edmonton. They are definitely your small mom and pop brand of custom head covers, you know, towels, hats, custom tees, things like that. Seven Iron Golf now out of um, Texas. Uh, yes. They are a new glove company that's up and coming. And I got to tell you, I don't jump on board with these companies lightly. He sent me some samples and they are legit leather golf clubs. They are well-made. They are well-sized, well-fitted. Uh, I'm already talking to people I know who've been playing and using them and durable. And, uh, you know, eventually when he came to me and said, we love the way you do content, you know, can we work on a deal together? It was easy to say, you know, I want to be a part of building content for this brand because I believe in this product, right? So there's Seven Iron Golf, uh, Cutter and Buck Clothing. Um, uh, I better not forget anybody here, but, uh, you know, those are sort of the major ones that are I, I sort of focus around. Um, Theragun, you know, is part of my friend Brady, who's with Platform Sales, uh, the brands that he represents. So there's a, a good little stable of brands that I can talk about regularly, right? And then Watchside... Canada Watch House, you know, uh, the, our real only online, you know, um, shop for watches in Canada, you know, out of the, out of back East. Um, and when you say products and brands, I work with golf cam loops and that's why they've come up with their names come up regularly here. Right. So I definitely work with their tourism board. So you want products and, and places featured. That's who I'm dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so some of these brands like look out, I'll send a link up into uh, into the I guess into the the legend of this podcast. So some people, if you haven't if you don't follow them, I'll link up even like their Instagram and stuff like that there too. But yeah, that's that's uh like I love the fact that some of the brands that you like again made in right. Some of these brands that are available, like I'm yeah. sure like uh, Seven Iron Golf is American. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, having going out to these smaller uh, boutique uh companies that are really coming up there's enough space for everyone right the golf ecosystem is fairly large right you know that's another one with trying to pump the tires some other people but trying some other products right? and i think like the, even from, the, go ahead yeah sorry the big thing is when it, if you want a custom head cover now if you want um 
cool hip stuff. You don't have to look south of the border. I mean, Go yeah. Tracks is the new cool community golf for everyone hip logo. Um, the people like Pioneer who are hand making custom one offs now, they don't want to do as much, you know, stock inventory. They want to make more hand custom. You know, you you don't have to go south of the border to get all this stuff now. Correct. Yeah. You know, except for pencil carry bags and things. Canada, listen up. Can somebody start? doing stuff like this you know but you yeah. know what i mean yeah. yeah yeah you look like i have like my idea that like, there's a i still have this little passion project that i call like golf stealth club that i'm still working on it's going to come out you know I, I have an idea in regards to some like golf trip or golf holding right you know yeah. but um yeah i get it that there's a space and you know there's other stuff that's available but pencil bags 100 percent. we need some of that needs we need we need non thousand dollar Sunday bags custom made up here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a candy uh, bag to get across the border would cost you an arm and a leg. And I know this because yeah. my buddy Greg looked into it. Yeah. Oh, did he? Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. And it's 30% on the dollar plus you're going to get dinged at the border, right? Yeah. 100% yeah. The, 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 that import, the import fees on that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I yeah. Like look, I, I bought something, bought a pair of Jordans, uh, Jordan ones last year when they first came out from Carl's mm -hmm. Golf Farm, right? Because I didn't know if they were gonna come out anymore. I thought it was just like I hadn't even worn them yet. I'm gonna wear them this year, but mm -hmm. uh, I got slapped with some like import fees, shipping and import fees. And you know what? Let's, you know, the shoes, you know, they retail at 180. They cost yep. me probably 240, 250, right? So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then for for everybody watching, if your package is coming uh, UPS or FedEx or DHL, one of the non-USP United States Postal Service, uh, when you get that hundred dollar bill, you know, pre-collecting duties and taxes, check it because mm -hmm. they charge you a brokerage fee. I got a hundred and fifty dollar pair of shoes that had a ninety-eight dollar bill from uh ups 70 dollars of that was their brokerage fee which you don't have to pay them you can self-clear these packages so just a tip for everybody in canada you can actually go down to border service and clear that yourself yeah that's actually great yeah because in certain parts it's wherever it's shipping you know, sometimes they'll 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 and if you live in like some of the packages are shipped they're coming out at they're shipping to richmond hill and then being distributed a Richmond, a, a Richmond. I, I got a $150 pair of Tomo golf shoes with a $98 uh, brokerage bill from UPS. Yeah. $25 was the actual Canadian taxes and, and broker and uh, duties. The other 70 was their brokerage fee to do it for you. All you got to do is phone them up and say, I'll sell clear it. Go down to the Canadian border services they laugh because they go through it every day. Pay your twenty-five bucks and then just you know email it the copy back to UPS and they have to deliver it to you. So remember this, everybody. You're paying unnecessary uh, fees. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I never thought yeah. about that. That's like, you know, like look at Google it. Dad. And there's a there's a mom who writes a blog who's already laid all this out for you. <laughs> look at it. The dad's yeah. spitting more knowledge than he's already spit already. You know, just share. I get share so many packages from golf brands that I've dealt with this for so long. You know, if you actually look at your bills, 
you know, you know, a small percentage of what you're getting charged by these shipping companies is actually what you truly owe. Yeah. The rest is a waivable fee. Yeah. Interesting. So just, just for everybody out there. Yeah. Check your bills. You're not watching Vegas fingers telling you, you know what? Yeah. It's like, it's that, that keep it real. Right. Okay. So anyway, so uh, any, any more exciting projects coming up in uh, 2023? Um, exciting products. Um, projects, actually. Projects. Projects. Well, I'll do my what's in the bag now that I'm all in with Sub-70 this year. And then I may be visiting another uh, desert location in British Columbia that I already work with, <clears throat> Gulf Kamloops, so expect that. I might okay. have a friend who just moved to the States coming back to do that one with me. We're in talks, so keep an eye out, people. We will showokay. Um, <laughs> very possibly. So everybody go follow Cyrus Jansen. But anyways, we're in talks on that. Um what's in the bag this year? So I'm all in sub 70. I believe in the product. We've got the JB wedges. Um yeah, the, uh, yeah. 659 irons, which I've recently soaked in a bucket of uh, vinegar and salt water and uh, patinaed them up nicely. They're raw. Um, so built out that set. Um, I just put their, you know, I'm spoiling my big, you know, Instagram what's in the bag reveals, but, uh, you know, I'm putting hybrid in the bag. I got to tell you, and I'm going to say it now. First on your podcast, when you look at Sub-70 as a brand and people think about, well, they do irons and wedges, they're one of those direct-to-consumer brands. I can tell you right now after two rounds, the most underrated product in their catalog is their hybrids. Those hybrids are the most legit things out there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I have hit yep. the three hybrid. I hit it in the summer of 2021 uh, at yep. St. Andrews Valley. Um, it might not have had my my shaft profile and grip profile on it, whatever yeah. it is, but it was it was bingo money bingo. The bingo. I part. got the. I, I carry a three hybrid, so I'm replacing my uh, eight year old, uh, nine year old now, uh, Titleist nine fifteen hybrid, which yeah. that thing would have to explode to get rid of it. But since I'm ambassadoring, I got to try all the products and show them off. But um, my first round with that three hybrid, uh, the 949X Pro, and I got a recoil 680 iron shaft put in it in, in an F4 stiff. Um, I hit three hybrids that day and all of them were right on my number of 209 and just a penetrating straight ball flight. It was, I was amazed. I was a little blown away by how impressive it was on course. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like, look, I mean, like, again, people, you've, you've been following me for a while, you know that, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I've spoken about this, like, I, I, um, bagged for a tour level player last summer, and he was hitting his, like, he, he hit his hybrid a lot, and that's a yeah. trusty club yeah. to have in your bag, and you cannot overlook a company like Subsidy when it comes to, like, hybrid clubs, right, and, yeah, for sure, and I, I love, and I love the years I'll say this, Jim, after you watch this podcast, uh, I'm probably going to add a four to the bag and dump the four iron and maybe even a five because they're just so much easier to hit now, you know, at my age. And 
the I think more the mental game of not wanting to almost lift a, a long iron now. You know what I mean? Just a peace of mind of hitting down on a hybrid. They're so easy to hit. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, like I have, uh, you know, so you're going you're going a hybrid off the deck, right? Correct. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. And that's what's yep. awesome. Um, I'm still working on my like three wood off the deck. I mean, I think I'm going to probably go back to my older three wood that I have. I need to look at some numbers, but I get yep. it that, um, you know, coming into that hybrid, you know, depending on, I'm not playing on majority of most of us aren't playing on a country club and tour level mm -hmm. turf. So we're playing on bent grass and some of that bent grass isn't as flush. Yep. I know in Ontario playing around there. So sometimes hitting off. Like we're not getting as we're not getting the best turf interaction, so if we're not yeah. as precise, it's going to be a little bit tougher. But getting one of those hybrids in there, like a three or four hybrid, yeah. And I, I moved to a four wood a couple of years ago because, um, I mean, let I'm an accomplished golfer. I'm in that one percent of the world who shoots under eighty, right? Um, my whole life, I've never been able to hit a three wood because when I put that little loft down on the ground, my mentality changes to really, I've never been able to hit a three wood. But once I got that more loft and looking at a four wood or a five wood, there's more confidence of just swinging and knowing it's going to leave the ground. Um, and it's, it's part mental thing. So I, I don't play a three wood. I play a four wood. I need, I need to see some loft there to believe it's going to leave the ground. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And what's your forward? What's it lofted at currently? What's your what's your setting? Seven, you can pop seventeen, seventeen degrees. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's about right. You know, like most like a, even like a five is probably around twenty or eighteen. So seventeen. Yeah. I like it. Okay. My hybrid is nineteen. So that puts my three hybrid at nineteen and my four iron at twenty two. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good gapping. Yeah. But um, the pro models in those modern hybrids, a lot of brands, the sub 70, the head is small enough that it's not a big departure from irons to go into. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like that hybrid in between, hence the word hybrid, but it's like, it's a little bit more condensed, um, not, not too thick, but not too thin, right? It's like right in that window. And I like looking at cavity back iron and I have trust and faith that I'm going to get it off the ground, but let's face it, a four hybrid is easier to hit than a, than a four iron. And uh, I think this is the year to just accept that and add one more to the bag. They go high enough. They stop fast enough. So why not? Right. There yeah. you go. Yeah, launch points. Perfect. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, What's in the bag uh, when you when you post it up onto social media? Uh, although you've you've uh, you've talked about it orally, right, and on camera, but we haven't seen we haven't seen the visuals. So you know what? It's not really much of a spoiler. This is a uh, this is like coming soon to a theater near you, right? <laughs> I have a I have a friend who happens to be Jim's daughter. She's a contenter. She's out. She does video work uh, for a living, video and uh, um, design. Uh, but she likes to come to the range with me, and that's where I I'm, I get my good handheld film photography, right? So okay, we're going to get okay. together and, you know, shoot all the what's in the bag soon so I can have them properly done. I've already scripted out how I want to do these. Excellent. So I'm going to do it.
Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I'm, we're all, I'm looking forward to that and I will share it with you guys when it happens. Right. So stay tuned, yeah. stay tuned in the next couple of weeks. We know it's going to be happening since it's the beginning of the season right now, you know, the fan man cups coming up in June. So it's going to be probably in May next month. Right. Okay. <laughs> so last question. All right. So we got here. So like cats or dogs? Cats. I love dogs. Uh, real quick. I grew up in a, uh, pet food and supply store. My parents owned a Bosley's pet food for all those BC people who know it. Um, so I love pets, but I've got a cat, right? Everybody knows me for my cat. Yeah. Yeah. Cat, yeah. And you posted something pretty funny this week about you're playing around with, uh, you're, uh, you're still like me testing out TikToks. You thought you'd look at some of like the, you know, some of the filters and you put, you put those teeth on that cat perfectly. That smile. The, the teeth, that, that teeth lip filter for cats is the greatest thing ever. I still laugh at my own production. Yeah. 100%. But even like the over the shoulder turn with the teeth. Yeah. You know, like. Oh, yeah, when like, she looked back from the top of the couch, that breaks me up every time. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that was good, my friend. That was good. Yeah. That gave me, that gave me a, that was probably the, uh, the last of the day. Yeah, if you're following me, I like to add life into my into my actual stories. You know, the feed will be golf and watches, but uh, I will entertain you with my life and cat stuff. Yeah. All right. All right, Dan. Well, thanks for coming to join us today and sharing your Thank story. You for having me. Yeah. Looking forward to um, the Fat Man Cop and looking forward to what's in the bed. That was a little special reveal, which is awesome yeah. there. And um, yeah, man, we'll. we'll <laughs> We'll jam again. Uh, you know, thanks everyone for listening and watching and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Thank you so much.